Your move, creep. Mission luck, Bruiser. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night more! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So, October's coming up, and you know what that means, spooky movies for a spooky season. And Austin and I have got a ton of movies planned for you guys. It's going to be exciting. It's so many movies that it's actually, we're, we're actually going to launch even more movies in November. Or continue the the movie, the spooky movie train into November. <laughs> exactly. Let's, did you want to talk about it real quick so we could get people hyped up for the episodes that are coming up? Okay, well, you already know what we're going to cover on this episode because of the title. But in the future, we'll be covering... Hellraiser, Constantine, The Thing, and in November, in time for the anniversary, Bram Stoker's Dracula. A lot of spooky stuff. There's plenty of stuff for everyone. If you're a kid that likes not that spooky, not as spooky stuff, Hocus Pocus is perfect. If you're an adult and you want some hardcore shit, you've got The Thing and Hellraiser. And even if you're just like a casual Halloween fan, like Constantine's pretty good. Like it's a it's a good solid ground where it's somewhat spooky, but it's not like it's got Keanu Reeves. Hey, we got Keanu Reeves twice in, in these. Uh, That's right movie. with Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. Oh yeah. So it's gonna be an interesting month. I'm so excited to talk about all these movies, and we're gonna kick it off with this week's episode. Austin, what are we gonna be talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about. Hocus Pocus from 1993 and I am not embarrassed but I must admit I have never seen this movie really really well I'm really excited to talk about this movie because this is one of those that I loved as a kid but as I got older I kind of forgot about it I just it's one of those movies that gets lost in time gets lost in memories and I loved it as a kid but you know, you grow up and you tend to forget about some of the toys that you used to play with, you know, kind of like Andy. Yeah. But I love this movie as a kid. I do remember there's vague memories of it, but I do remember loving the witches and like the zombie like character. There's a zombies in this. Movie? Ki- ki- well, there's one zombie monster kind of thing. And okay. he's like a villain chasing the kids at first, but then he like sides with them. So, yeah, I, I remember watching this movie on the Disney Channel. One of my favorite things growing up was, like, watching movies, like, on the Disney Channel, Cartoon Network, Nick. Those were really great and fun. And Halloween was always a great time because you had, like, Halloween Town. You had Hocus Pocus. They would always replay High School Musical, like, during the fall season when <laughs> school was starting up again. You know, I think this this is one of those movies that was, like, really... It came out in the 90s. It was pretty popular for for kids, I think, but it was a Halloween-type movie, so I was not allowed to watch it as a kid. Mm. I was not allowed to watch holiday-themed movies. That's right. Because I grew up Jehovah's Witness. So there's a ton of movies that I had to, like, catch. Like, I hadn't seen 
a nightmare before Christmas until I was like a junior in college or not college, uh, high school. Which so, that one's like a classic. Like, I feel like kids yeah. kind of watch that now growing up since it's released. You know, it's like a cultural mm-hmm. thing. And it was because of the Halloween. It was the season, right? Like just. Yeah, probably the witchcraft, too. OK, that, they were... that's what I was going to ask, because I feel like in our Harry Potter episode, you mentioned that you couldn't watch Harry Potter because of the witch, the witchcraft in it. I think it's both. It fell into that, like, you shouldn't be watching this movie kind of thing. Which is funny because and I don't I don't want to insult anyone by saying this, but it's like it's witchcraft. Like, it's not like real. Honestly, <laughs> not that different from the Jedi's doing stuff. Exactly. Like, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't now, now to be fair. I don't know that much about it. I don't know about because I know people take witchcraft seriously and I don't mean insult anyone. It's like it's Bette Midler witchcraft. It's not real. <laughs> well, the, uh, some people take it pretty real. I I don't know, but that's why people being offended by Harry Potter because of the witchcraft. It's like that's witchcraft. It's like what what are you complaining about? Like it's it's like the Force from Star Wars. The Force is essentially name. witchcraft. Well, but for some reason, Lord of the Rings was also fine. I think Lord of the Rings is one of those things where it's like it's so popular, but also. There weren't like clear rules against it, I guess. Some people in the con in the church were like, "That th- those orcs are demons. You shouldn't be watching that." You know, well, and it, but, but it's so weird because I feel like the Lord of Rings way made more like assertions about like the afterlife. You know, like with yeah Gandalf coming back to life and the elves like going off to this distant land. That's kind of like the afterlife. It's like mm-hmm. I- I'm just saying, like compared to like this movie, like in this movie, I like if you die, you die. Right. But like in Lord of the Rings, it's like the universe brought Gandalf back because he needed to complete his mission. And like like Becky was saying, uh, Bre- Becky was our special guest for the Lord of the Rings episodes. She talked about how Gandalf was essentially like an angel. He's a special yeah. race of wizards that are like wi- like angels. And I'm like, you, you know, like it's fiction. But that to me is way more of an assertion of what the afterlife is what the universe is made up of if that makes sense on some weird level oh yes it makes sense it's so so someone being cool with that but not being cool with hocus pocus to me is a little hocus pocus <laughs> it's, it's, it's a oh. little dumb yeah but well, look we're not here to talk about people's religions or their way of thinking that's not what we do here we talk about movies you haven't seen and sometimes movie. we talk about we talk about it through the movies <laughs> oh exactly yeah but that's different you know but yeah so you've never seen this movie I've never seen. Have it. you heard about it? Uh, like, I mean, I've I heard about heard, it, but like, I know that this movie is near and dear to a lot of millennials' hearts, mm-hmm. particularly women. Um, and I know a lot of guys like to tell women that this movie is bad. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've been in that conversation twice, just like on the outside looking in, because I'm like, I've never seen this movie. I'm sure this movie means a lot to a lot of millennials, and it's. I feel like that's why they're making a sequel, which. You know, mm-hmm. it's coming out on Disney Plus. Uh, it's coming now in September 30th, which mm-hmm. is one reason to revisit this, right? Well, I think it's important because a lot of millennials, mostly people who l- listen to the show, are. It means a lot to them. And people have been wanting a sequel for a long time. And now Disney Plus is actually giving it to them. And it's coming out this month. We're like, all right, it's a double whammy. Let's revisit this classic. Let's see how it's h- held up in time for the sequel. When's, when is Hocus Pocus 2 coming out? It's coming out on the 30th of September. Of September. Okay. September 30th. And I feel like people are going to watch the first one 
you know, in preparation for the sequel. Absolutely. Both both of which will be available on Disney Plus. We're not sponsored by Disney in any way, but maybe they should sponsor us. All right. <laughs> but we like letting you guys know where you can find these movies. Um, but yeah. yeah, so it's the perfect time to rewatch Hocus Pocus. You said that a lot of women kind of like it. And I, I'm not too sure. Honestly, I'm not familiar, but it that seems kind of like it makes sense because you have because I think the biggest takeaway from Hocus Pocus are the three witches like mm-hmm. their bond is kind of what made the movie what it is. Right. And I think a lot of I it I don't know, but it makes a lot of sense that a lot of girls would see that and be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, I guarantee you there were little girls that when this movie came out, they were like, oh, my God, you're you're this one and I'm this one and you're that one. <laughs> and wouldn't it be fun if we were like witches and we just like went around the neighborhood and cast a bunch of spells? Like that seems pretty likely to happen mm-hmm. or to have happened. But yeah, there's. I'm really curious to see it. And look, man, I don't want to get all political, right? Like I like just talking about movies just in the most basic sense, but I feel like it needs to be said. If you're a grown ass man and you're like, oh, this movie's terrible. I Look, if if the conversation is about what do you think of this movie and you answer it, that's fine. Hey, it is what it is. But it just feels like sometimes some grown ass people like just step in and be like, no, like, you can't like that. You can't <laughs> like that. And it feels like we're getting we're still getting that to this day, especially with the Little Mermaid being black oh, now. yeah have, have you seen that i've seen that yeah oh my god people are just up in arms about a black area and i'm just like look i'm not saying you can't enjoy the little mermaid i enjoyed the animated one it's fine if you don't like it, it there's no reason there's no one's forcing you to like it but you know why you gotta like she's black so it's bad it's just you know what i mean it just seems like a yeah little it doesn't make any sense i remember seeing this guy uh matt something walsh i don't know what his name is but he's part of like uh ben shapiro's crew or whatever they were talking about how the little mermaid should if if she was going to be scientifically accurate her skin should be translucent and she should be monstrous and that is a little mermaid that i would want to go see end quote it's so dumb like i don't understand why they're so they're just racist they're like just admit it it's a lot easier to digest than you making up some uh, I'm. I don't like this because it's not scientifically accurate. It's a. It's a freaking mermaid, dude. Yeah, like she's it's... singing underwater. She wants to be where the people are. Yeah. Nobody wants to be where the people are. <laughs> yeah, it's and look and again, I'm not. I'm not saying that you can't. You have to like this movie. No, I mean, you don't have to. It just feels like people just feel the need to like put their foot their put their opinion in. And, just, and look, if you're a critic. Or if it's like part of a conversation, I'm not saying you can't share your opinions about like, oh, I don't think that movie's good. That's hey, that's fair enough if that's where the conversation's headed. But there is like this sort this like sort of thing where it's like and people have done it to me, too. So I'm not even saying that it's a completely sexist thing. I think just some dudes like putting their opinion there as it being like uh, like with, with Norbit. I'm like, I really like that movie. And so he's like, how the fuck do you like that movie? Or something like that. And it's like. <laughs> well, I like it because of this and this and this. Like, well, that's stupid. That movie's dumb. And it's like, I like the movie. Uh, it's just, I, I, I don't, they... like, I, I, I understand it when it's like, like between you and I, 
Like, we, because we do this all the time. You and I have that energy of like, man, you like this movie, Austin? Man, you're fucking crazy. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's a certain level. Like, that's the energy you and I have, and we carry on this show sometimes. But there's a difference. There's like a subtle difference where sometimes it's like, well, I think you're dumb for liking that movie, which I don't think we've ever done that to each other. Like, I'm yeah. curious as to why you like certain movies. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, damn, I don't know what Austin seems. But I don't ever think that you're dumb for thinking that. And I think that's what irritates people is when they're like, oh, Hocus Pocus is a bad movie. Because on some level, there is a difference that there's a difference between, oh, yeah, I don't think that movie's good versus, man, you like that movie? Damn, you're dumb for liking that movie. They don't say it out loud, but it's yeah. there. I would feel bad if I would dislike this movie now. But I'm, I, even if I do dislike this movie, there's still going to be something to say about it it's not gonna be just like an hour of us bagging on this movie that's man i hope we never do that no no which we've never done i think no Uh i think it's the energy i think it's the kind of energy because it's like because i don't think we've ever done it where on this podcast we talk about because there's been plenty of movies that neither of us like or just don't really appreciate but we don't like shame people for liking it like if you mm. like it, that's totally fine. Like that's okay. We don't. I don't try to judge people on that. Like it's. I'll question it sometimes. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, okay. sometimes it's like, man, okay. I sometimes when when people say stuff that's like, well, you wait, you like this, or or you don't like this. Why don't you like what? I remember this guy told me that he had never watched Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or any of those movies when he was growing up, and I was like, what was what did you do when you, when you were a kid? What did you like? Because to me, that's, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely want to know why you don't like the things that I do, mm-hmm. you know? I think there's enriching, and it's a better use of your time to figure out your differences than to get mad at people for being different. Yeah, and I think that's 100%. And I think that's kind of like part of the divide is that everybody has to think like we do. And if they disagree, then, oh, they must be dumb for whatever reason. And I'm not I'm not saying that's everyone. I'm not saying that's... Mm. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's not me, then chances are it's not you. But there are or maybe like it that. is. <laughs> or, it might, or it might be too. And in which case, it's like, yeah, yeah you might want to relax. Because in the end of the day, these are movies. They're just movies. Yeah. But that was just a side, a long side, a long aside. Just because we don't particularly have too many memories about this movie. I already shared what I remember, uh, which is not a lot. I am curious to see it because... Hey, this movie might not age well. Like that, it, it could be. It very well could be that. It, it could be us just being here. Like, yeah, it's not particularly good. But in the end, if you like it, hey, that's on you. Like, no worries. Like, I know, I know people love this movie, and if I don't like the movie, I'm not going to make it hard for them to listen to it. Yeah, because I don't. Because the last thing, and you and I have spoken about this off camera. We don't want this to be the roast hour. Where we're just <laughs> shitting on a movie for two hours, just saying this movie's garbage, and if you like it, you are really, really dumb. Which, which, to be fair, even I have trouble sometimes because I've seen some bad movies, and <laughs> yes, I'm like, we used to be paid to watch bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, there are just some movies that I could not say anything positive about, which also honestly is not the healthiest mindset to be in. Pers- personally, for me at least. So I'm like, all right, mm. maybe. Don't get me wrong. I still like to shit talk a lot of bad movies. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of bad superhero there's, movies. There's a way to there's a way to do it. Yeah, and just have fun with it. So I am curious because I have fond memories of this movie, but critically the movie did not do well. It came out in 1993 and it has a 39 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 39. Damn. 
out of 57 critics, that's basically um, 22 people liked it and 35 people did not. One critic said, dreadful. Oh, that was Gene Siskel. <laughs> he said that was dreadful. This movie is dreadful. Wow. Critics did not like it, or most critics. Uh, audiences like it. It's 71%. Audiences, I, I don't think people went to the theater to see this movie. I don't think it was a commercial success. But because Disney had the Disney Channel, they would throw that on during Halloween and people would see it that way. S- similar to like uh, It's a Wonderful Life where mm-hmm. theatrically it didn't do well. And then when it gets on TV and people see it in reruns, they're like, hey, I like this movie. Plus, you got kids with a captive kind of relative captive audience with kids at home. <laughs> yeah, well, it says right here, the film was released in the United States on July 16th, 1993. Uh, the film received mixed reviews from critics at the time. It was not a critical or commercial success upon its release, possibly losing Disney around 16.5 million during its theatrical run. That's, However, just, that's the Wikipedia, right? Yeah, that's the Wikipedia. However, largely through many annual airings on Disney Channel and Freeform, formerly ABC Family, all throughout the month of October annually, Hocus Pocus has been discovered by audiences, resulting in a yearly spike in home video sales of the film every Halloween season. The annual celebration of Halloween has helped make this movie a cult classic. There you go. I mean, look, that's Rocky Horror Picture Show, essentially. That's a, It's a Wonderful Life, and now we got Hocus Pocus. Yeah, just because you go to a theater and you're not successful there doesn't mean that you're dead on the water. You have a chance mm-hmm. to 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 still become a classic to a lot of people because of television. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to see. I'm I'm really excited to give this a chance. Yeah, let's see what what else came out in 1993. Um in at the number 1 of the domestic box office in 1993. Can you guess what it is? 93? Yeah. Oh, pfft. Easy. Jurassic Park. Absolutely. Jurassic Park. Number one. It has almost double the next movie at the domestic box office. Uh, Number one, Jurassic Park. Number two is one of my favorite movies. The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. I I didn't didn't kill kill my my wife. wife. (laughs) It's a one-armed man. You find that man. Uh, I love this movie. I quit it all the time. Uh, Number three was The Firm. Number four, Sleepless in Seattle. Number five, Mrs. Doubtfire. Six, Indecent Proposal. Seven, In the Line of Fire. Eight, Aladdin. Nine, Cliffhanger. And ten, A Few Good Men. Ooh, Tom Cruise had two bangers. I feel like we've done this year before. Have we? We have done this movie before. Or or, or, or this year, this uh, year. This year before. We have done this year before. 93, what was it? Cool Runnings. <gasps> cool Runnings. <laughs> feel the rhythm. Yeah. Feel the ride. Wait. Feel the ride. Feel feel, feel the, the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. Get on up. It's, it's bobsled, bobsled time. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. There it is. Cool Runnings. Episode 44. Also coming. Yep. Also coming out this year. Demolition Man. Groundhog Day. Free Willy. Rookie of the Year. Last Action Hero. The Nightmare Before Christmas, and let's do a random one. Beethoven's Second. I think that's the dog one. Yeah, that's the dog one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 93. I will say, something I just found out about this movie is searching up the details. This movie was directed by Kenny Ortega. Who's Kenny Ortega? Kenny Ortega is the director of High School Musical. Wow, you were just talking about that. Exactly. And I'll (laughs) tell you this, 
I love High School Musical. I love those <laughs> movies. I grew up watching them. They're awesome. Super cool. And he also did uh, another movie that I, he, he he did Newsies with uh, Christian Bale. Oh, yeah. Another Disney movie. He also mm. did one that I'm really curious about. Oh, wait. Kenny Ortega actually worked on a movie that we both talked about. He was the choreographer for Dirty Dancing. Wow. Yeah. He was the choreographer for Dirty Dancing, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Xanadu, Hocus, po- <laughs> uh, he, Hocus Pocus, and he directed it. And he was a choreographer for Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything. So this hmm. dude, oh, he was a choreographer for Michael Jackson's This Is It. Damn, like this dude has like, this dude has it. He's got the credits. He's been a part of our childhoods for generations. And High School Musical was the one. I remember I saw the name Kenny Ortega and I instantly knew. I was like, oh, Kenny Ortega, High School Musical. Because I always remember, <laughs> I always watched the behind the scenes of High School Musical where like or like uh-huh. the TV version of it where it was like, all right, kids, follow along. And this is how we do this. <laughs> um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and he would he was part of that. So so yeah, it's cool to see Kenny Ortega like night back in '93, seeing how he choreographed this, seeing how he directed it. Because this guy would go on to direct a lot of stuff in our childhood. Things yeah. that we were familiar with. Even the the choreography in the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like that's I love that scene. I'm assuming it was a parade yeah. where they're doing Twist and Shout. But that I love that scene. It's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. If there's a there's a chance that if you had a if you saw a movie that had some sort of choreography that's super memorable, it might have been Kenny Ortega might have had something to do with it because he was awesome. he was a choreographer from the back from the 80s with Xanadu. And I mean, if you even grew up with the Disney Channel, you had three movies that were directed and choreographed by him. High School Musical 3 or High School Musical 1, 2, and 3. The trilogy. The musical, the high school trilogy. <laughs> I've never heard High School Musical being referred to as the trilogy. It is, though. I mean, technically. <laughs> the trilogy. That's great. Uh, but I think that's all we have. When yes. I think when we come back, because I've never seen this movie before, I don't know what I would want to research until, except for maybe why do people like this movie so much? What what do they like about it? And maybe what the the actresses have to say about this experience and what it's like for them to go back to repri- reprise their roles. Uh, that's probably what I would look into. But maybe something in the movie will make spark my curiosity to look up something else. Yes, I feel the exact same way. I was curious about the lead actresses and how it feels coming back. Cause it's been, I mean, 93. It's been 20... 20- 29 years or it yeah it's been 29 years since the movie was released and i'm sure a lot of them were disappointed when it came out and it wasn't the big successful hit that they that they all imagined it to be but with years later it has so i'm like how do they feel about that and you know what you know what's what's that like and if they're excited for to come back for the second one i imagine they are but they're gonna say that they're excited because they're they're getting paid to promote that's true that's true uh but the I feel like the experience that they have had with this movie, if depending on how much they have to say, will tell you how much they actually like like this role, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Austin? We will see you in one minute. Twist the bones and bend the back. Back in sixteen ninety-three, the people of Salem, Massachusetts. Witches! Yes. Thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. years later it's halloween eve 
and they're back. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. We are home. Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating? We're talking about three-engine hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be? Hocus Pocus. Into the night! They love to fly. And it shows. Good night. Sleep tight. No screaming. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. We have just finished watching 1993's Hocus Pocus. And George, this is... How many times have you seen this movie? A ton? It's definitely been longer than five years, probably closer to ten years. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I have ever seen this movie. Um, and I, I thought it was really funny, and I liked it. And I thought it was a really nostalgic time capsule of the 90s, of being a kid in the 90s. And mm. I don't think I would have appreciated... Well, I think I would, have, I would have liked it as a kid. But I think, you know, having almost 30 years removed from, from this movie, uh, from when it was originally came out, I think that it kind of ages pretty well if you remember what it was like being a kid in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this movie sucks, and anybody who <laughs> likes it is an idiot, and they have no taste in cinema. And that's my opinion. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being an asshole because we were talking about how people refer to that to some movies like that in the first part. Mm -hmm. And look, you don't you don't have to like this movie. That's fine. Nobody's forcing you to like it. But um, a lot of critics did it when it came out. Did not get that great reviews. But I have to say, there is something really charming about it. I really liked it. Yeah. I was, Charming is a good word. I yeah, think. I was really laughing. I was laughing a lot throughout this movie. I was I mean, laughing a lot, too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did not expect to laugh as much as I did. Now, Same. I will say this. I don't know how good the movie is. You know, like, for example, you talk about movies that are based, like, that are kind of for children. Like mm -hmm. E.T. That's a good movie. E.T. is a great right. movie. It's a phenomenal movie. I wouldn't put po Hocus Pocus there. But I think... Nah, it feels like a different space, I think. Yeah. Because I, th I think uh, E.T. tries to be very, like, emotional and, like, try to, like, unlock that, that inner child in you and make you feel for the characters. Mm -hmm. This movie is just, like, a good time. Yes. So on that level, they do occupy different spaces. And... I don't know. I mean, I think watching this movie, I think there have been certain things. They they could have done certain things to make it maybe a bit more emotional. But I mean, that's not mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like that's where their energy is being put in. They're making they're put their most of their energy is being put into making this movie really silly and funny and almost sarcastic in a way. Not or making, yeah. the, making the main witches sarcastic and kind of witty. And I mean, that's the focus of the movie, I believe. It's the witches, right? Because it has this story about the brother and sister, which we'll get into, that's supposed to be kind of like the central theme of the movie, which is there. I'm not saying it's not, but it doesn't hit as hard as the main three witches, which are iconic at this point, right? Like even the designs, just their costumes, their hairstyles, the way they talk and move. Mm -hmm. They're, you could tell that they had a lot of fun with those three characters. And it shows, honestly. And I'm not bagging on the rest of the film because the kids are really cool. Like, I, I love uh, Danny. I think Danny's phenomenal. Yeah, um, I think of the of the three, Danny's the one that I like the most. Yeah, yeah, she was great. Uh, Thackeray the cat was awesome. I 
I kind of had this growing love for cats, and this movie just kind of <laughs> pushed it even more. Well, I have some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about the cats. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious to learn more about the cats. Yeah, cats, plural. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the movie's charming, and it's fun. Like, I, I had a fun time watching it. I do... This movie's very nostalgic for people who grew up around this era. Now, this movie was released the year I was born, so I'm not totally there but there are certain things i'm like oh i remember that and like it feels very much part of my childhood which is why i think a lot of people have an affinity for it i do wonder going forward if this movie is going to stay relevant or if it's going to continue to grow in like its cult status uh because to my surprise in recent years this movie's had a huge uptick in like an engagement more people have engaged with this film, especially during the pandemic, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. They had a huge like uh, re- anniversary where the three main actresses came back. Uh, Bette Milder, Sarah Midler. Jessica Parker, Midler, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi, Najimi, mm-hmm. where they came back and it was like a huge fundraiser and there were a bunch of celebrities. So it seems like Hocus Pocus is still relevant. But I can't help but wonder if that's going to be the case maybe 30 years from now. But that's just kind of... I'm getting ahead of myself. Overall, enjoyed the film. These are just some of my quick thoughts. But yeah, I mean, I recommend watching it. It's on Disney+. And the sequel is going to be coming out this upcoming... This month, later this month, on the on the September 30th on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be going straight to Disney+, Plus, so you don't have to go to movie theaters for it. I recommend watching this film. Check it out. Like it, it'll probably bring back a bunch of old memories of you watching this movie, but also of your childhood around this time. Yeah. So I, I recommend it absolutely, and it's a lot of fun. It's super funny. It is is really funny. It's it's there's some stuff where it's like, wait, did they? Why do they keep saying virgin? You know, it's, <laughs> I laughed every single time because I'm like, that's something every single that, time. I feel like there's parts of this movie that don't hold up. Because in the 90s, I feel like you could get away with some things. But now, I feel like there's this... uh, People are like, you know, we're like even more pearl clutching now with like family stuff. Where it's like, Jesus Christ, why can't we have anything fun? But maybe, maybe don't shame the kid for being a virgin. (laughs) I don't know. It's, (laughs) It's funny. Should we get into the story of Hocus Pocus? For yeah, those yeah, who haven't seen it or would like to remember. Yeah, let's do it. Well, the movie starts in 1693 in Salem, Massachusetts, because of, you know, the Salem witch trials and all that. There's this kid, Thackeray Binks, who he wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, where's my sister? Emily, Emily. They all talk like that. Hast thou seen this to my, my sister? He's, he's talking to his friend and his friend's like, no, but look they enchant and he points to like this purple smoke cloud in the sky then he can see his sister walking away with a witch and he's like oh fetch my father wake the townspeople and then he like goes off and chases the witch he's calling for emily but like she's in some kind of trance uh he catches up to the witches the sanderson sisters uh you have winifred winifred who's like the leader she's played by bet midler then you have sarah who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker, very easy to remember character and actor. <laughs> uh, she's she's the uh, dumb one, but she's also kind of the hot one, I guess. She's the seductress. <laughs> uh, and then you have uh, Mary, played by Kathy Najimi from Sister Act. 
she's like the one that sniffs out the children. Apparently, she's part dog, but I don't think they ever say that in the movie. Uh, so they're they want to like make Emily take this potion and then suck the life force out of her so that they can regain their youth. And uh, Thackeray tries to save his sister, but Bette Midler has she's she seems like she's very like strong with with the wish powers. She's just like kind of freezes him, huh? Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know what the other one's powers are, except for what I just said about them. But Winifred can do everything. She can. Yeah. She flies. She does the potions. She she has control over like their magic book. Uh, She's strong, too. She she basically freezes Zachary Binks in place and then kind of makes him watch her. Yeah. Her and her sisters suck the life out of poor Emily. And we don't see Emily die, but we never see Emily again. <laughs> yeah. They reveal that she dies. They reveal that she dies because they suck the life force out of her. But you never see her face. She's like covered up, which is it's weird how this movie like they're they, they kill children, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah. They're still really funny and you like watching them. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it hits this like weird like line that I don't think many children's or family movies uh hit anymore yeah but anyway they take the life force from her and then the townspeople show up and then they're like oh we're not we're not witches we're just spinsters and we eat children and and then we cut to them being uh about to be hanged for their crimes and they're like oh before that they they get hanged they actually put a curse on thackeray binks they turn him into a cat and make him immortal so that he can live with the guilt of not saving his sister. <laughs> Oof, Jesus. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, hang him. And then, but right before they get hanged, she opens her book. She has like some kind of power over her book, Winifred does. And then she makes a, a spell where on, on All Hallows' Eve, if a virgin lights the black candle flame, they will be uh, restored to, to life and they're able to kill. And they're going to come back and kill all of the Salem, the children of Salem. And then they then they hang the witches and then time goes by. It's 1993, October 1st. Max is this new kid in town. He's from L.A. He's he's in Salem, but he's like, I'm too good for Salem. Uh, his class, the teacher is like all in a witch costume. And it's revealed that she's been telling the story of the Sanderson sisters. And Max is like, that's that's not real. And then uh, there's another kid in class, Allison, who's like, well, here's some backstory about Halloween. And the class would, like clap for her. It's, it's wild. Uh, and then what's even crazier, Max writes his phone number down on a piece of paper and gives it to her in front of the whole class. And he's like, hey, call me. It's it's so weird. Um, and then he like catches up to her when she's walking home from school. And then she's like, are you doing anything for Halloween? He's like, I don't care about Halloween. And she's like, no, not not even the witch stuff. And he's like, I don't care. And she's like, oh, too bad. And then she gives him back his his phone number. And he's, he's like, oh, man, what did I say? <laughs> it's it's so goofy. Uh, he's like walking home from school and then he meets these bullies who are kind of funny. They, they keep calling him Hollywood and they take his shoes and he goes home and he's like, school sucked. And then he's like throwing a fit in his room. 
Well, not really. He starts like holding the pillow and saying Allison's name to it. And then his sister pops out of the closet and he's like, who's Allison? And he's like, oh, never mind. And then she pretends to be Allison. She's it's weird. (laughs) Um, Danny is his little sister and she's like really into Halloween. She's in a witch outfit and she's like, you're taking me out for Halloween. You're taking me trick or treating. And Max is like, no, I don't want to. And then Danny calls for mom and then they're pretty much cut to them going trick or treating. Uh, and then they end up going to, by chance, Allison's house. And they're doing like this, I don't know, Victorian style like house party. And she's in this fancy dress. And they talk about the witches because Danny's into the witches. And then Max is like, hey, let's go to the Sanderson sisters house and see what's what's over there. Make a believer out of me. So they go over to the house. Uh, which has now been turned into a museum, but the museum had to be abandoned because spooky stuff happened. There's a cat there who is Thackeray Binks, uh, but the kids don't know it yet. They see the book. Something happens. Like he's about to light the candle and then Binks jumps at him. And then they're like, all right, we've had enough fun. Let's go. And Max is like, oh, come on. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. And then lights the candle. And then the witches are back. And then... They're about to like eat Danny or take the life force from her. But Max is able to trick the witches because he found a lighter and he's like, behold, the rain of death. And he puts the, the lighter to the fire sprinklers. And then they're like, ah, it's a rain of death. And they like hide from it because they're dumb and they're not used to the 20th, 20th century technology. And then they're able to escape. They take the book with them. Thackeray can talk to them. Uh, and he tells them all about the witches and what they if they hide in the cemetery, they the witches can't touch the hallowed ground. So they're, they're safe there. But the witches are able to catch up. Uh, so they like fly over the hallowed ground and she's able to like resurrect this. Winifred's able to resurrect her ex-boyfriend who cheated on her with Sarah, her sister. And the zombie, Billy the zombie, I think his name is. He mm-hmm. starts chasing the kids because he can walk on the hallowed ground. They can't. Uh, but he's he's a zombie, so he's slow. And they, like, knock his head off a bunch of times to slow him down. Uh, they escape through the sewers. The witches catch a bus. Uh, so they go to the, the, the parents' party. And all the parents are dressed up. They're dancing around. Uh, they try to tell them about the witches. And they're like, the witches are over there. But by now, the witches are kind of like... They know what's happening. They know what Halloween has become. Like people dress up and kids go for candy and adults party. So they start to sing, uh, put a spell on you. Uh, but it's like a, they change some of the words to it. It's not like the original song. Uh, as she's getting everybody dancing, Winifred puts a spell on all the adults. You're going to dance until you die. So the adults are dancing for the rest of the movie. The The kids are able to trap the witches in the school, into the school. This uh, kiln in the school into a big furnace and they burn the witches and they're like yeah we got them we killed them let's go home and Thackeray is still a cat and they're like oh man maybe we can use the book to like reverse the curse on the cat uh, but the witches haven't died so when they open the book it it sends out like a beacon so the witches know exactly where they are they're able to like fly over to them and snatch Danny, the little girl, and then fly away and 
prepare their potion, but the kids uh, are able to catch up to the witches and save Danny. Um, and they realize that the witch, the witches, uh, are only alive on Halloween night. So if they survive till dawn, they're okay. So they like delay the witches into uh, completing the spell. Max actually takes drinks a potion himself. And the main witch is like, you're a fool for giving your life away for your sister. And then she tries to suck the life out of him. But dawn comes and they all die. And then the kids are like, yeah, we did it this time. But oh no, Thackeray's actually dying. Then he becomes a boy again, like a ghost boy. And he reunites with his sister. And she's like, what tookest thou so long? And she's like, well, he's like, well, I had to wait for a virgin to light the black flame candle. And then that's the end. Look, it's a, it's a cute movie with a lot of funny moments. It's funny because really thinking about it, not that much happens. It kind of is just like it meanders a little bit, but it's not a bad thing. Like Yeah, the- it's not a it's not a bad thing because there's there's some stuff that I skipped over, like the fact that Billy is actually a good zombie. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't like Winifred. Uh, there's this part where there's a guy who's dressed as the devil. But it's like he's in there for a bit because the witches are like did, are at the devil's place because they think he's the real devil, but he's yeah. not really the devil. Like you don't that doesn't like contribute anything to the story at all. Like I could totally skip by it and you won't miss anything. But that scene itself is pretty funny. Yeah, well, I think what I forgot about this movie is that a lot of the gags come from the fact that the witches have skipped, have gone to the future 300 years. So they're unfamiliar with a lot of the technological advances that have happened in 300 years, right? So they're used to, like, wood cabins and stuff like that, right? They're out in the middle of the woods. They're not used to buses and... And, you know, they don't understand all these new traditions. So a lot of the gags come from that premise alone, that it's what if you had three witches that were transported to modern day? What would happen? Kind of, kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Like, it's it's really funny seeing them interact with modern times and kind of like everybody like, oh, 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 you guys are dressed witches as witches. Ha ha ha. And it's like, no, we are witches. <laughs> so. I think it's really funny. Like, that's where I, a lot of the humor, it's just really from them and their relationship. But that was something that I forgot was how just not used to the modern world they were. I know that, maybe we'll talk about this later, but there's a lot of stuff with the witches kind of trying to understand the modern world that they cut out from this movie. The witches used to be in the movie a lot more than they are. And it's it's interesting because some of those scenes are are lost or like they're no longer available. But you Whoa. can see some of those scenes in some of the original advertisements for the movie. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, you said earlier that like the witches are like the main thing. I don't think that they are. I feel like the there's a lot more of the kids than I, I thought there would be. The kids play an important role because they're the main characters. But I think in terms of like the attention that they get, because... The biggest theme of the movie is love, your family, you know, kind of like that brother-sister relationship. And it's kind of hinted at, but it's really not reinforced throughout the movie. It's kind of reinforced in the very beginning uh, with Thackeray and Emily. And then when we meet Max 
with Danny in his room, and then at the very end, in the middle, it's really just a chase scene between the witches chasing the kids and the kids just trying to do that typical kid thing where they're like, there are witches following us, and the adults are like, ha, witches, Can you, do you hear these kids? Ha, witches. It's like, <laughs> it's that kind of whole thing, and they go to a cop. He's not really a cop. They go to the parents. The kids try working, like trapping them on their own and it doesn't work. I think there's a lot of plot with the kids, but I don't think there's a lot of story. Like we don't really like learn too much, I guess, about Max and Danny's relationship outside of the fact that he's the older brother. He's his older brother and she's going to tease him and he's going to like talk shit to her. Allison's kind of like a non-character. She's into Halloween and I feel like she's into Max, but Max doesn't really understand that. I, I don't know. I think she doesn't like the fact that he treats Halloween so, like, whatever, dude. You know, like uh, that California I, I think it, it, it kind of bothers her, but I, I feel like she's... Because, like, why would she go to the house with them? Well, you know what I, I mean? think she's... I mean, she's into him, but not really. Because she does give him his phone number back, you know? Um, yeah, but the way she gives it back to him is like, hmm, I can fix him. Well, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think there's not enough clarity on those character things. And um, again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's it's a lot on on the way she plays the character. I think like yes, ri- as as the character is written, there's not a lot there. But the way that she plays, uh, Vanessa Shaw plays her is like, oh, she's into him, and she just doesn't know yet because he's a dumb teenage boy. Yeah, who hates everything because it's cool to hate everything. Well, yeah, he's from California in the early <laughs> '90s in Salem, Massachusetts. He hates everything. He hates everything that's not California. And to be fair, I get where he's coming from. Like having to move at that teenage year kind of sucks. Like I've never moved. I never moved when I was a teenager. But I'm sure as hell would have been pissed if I had. If I had been like a sophomore <laughs> freshman and be like, "Yeah, you're not going to that school anymore. You're going to Salem, Massachusetts." I'd be like, "What the fuck?" I I feel like the the main character. Like, I guess he's the main character. Max is, like, one of the less likable ones. And it, even with the characters, like, except for Allison, like, the other characters, like, making fun of him a lot. I, I don't think he's unlikable. I think he's just a teenage boy. And he's frustrated that he moved, that he had to, he was forced to move. Kids don't like being told what to do. And now you're telling them that they cannot go see their friends and go to the school that they like. And, and to the city. Because LA is very different from Salem. They're very different right. cities. I think he's just really frustrated. And I don't know about you and your sister, but me and my sister had the same exact relationship that Max and Danny have. And I, I think a lot of kids do. That we like, were a lot closer in age, so I don't have that kind of relationship with my sister. I, me and my sister are separated by six years, right? So <laughs> yeah. I was always far ahead of her in the, in some regards. And so, yeah, like there was always a disconnect. Like I wanted to go hang out with my friends and she wanted to come along. But it's like, you're not part of the group like mm. when we were early on. And it's like, it feels like at that age, the your younger sibling is a burden on you, right? That you yeah. don't want because you didn't ask for a sibling, but you do love them, right? Mm-hmm. And... I think you realize that without them, your life would be a lot worse or or you'd miss them a lot. And I bought that. I totally bought that. Like in terms of dislikability, I don't think anyone's really dis- like you dislike anybody or you're not supposed to. I think even the witches. Well, yeah, yeah. That... I don't think. Well, yeah, the witches are like the villains, but yeah, but you're funny. Like so you still you like them. Uh, I just I don't think that 
you're giving enough opportunity to to feel bad for Max. And that's exactly what I mean by focus. Because you, you have the central theme, right? Which is Max and Danny's relationship, right? They're they're separated by maybe at least five years. At the very least, mm. five years. Well, there's the the teenagers are 16 and she's eight. Oh, so eight yeah. Years. Okay. Yeah. So a lot more than five. Um, so there's this disconnect in the relationship. And then there's Max and Allison, which have like a will they, won't they kind of thing. And these kind of are like the central relationships of the film. But like you said, there's not enough emphasis on like how Max is really feeling or not not enough like lingering on that or his relationship with Danny, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a problem, you know, but it is one of the things that I feel like would have enhanced the movie just a bit more. Yeah, it would have like up... made it hit that uh, E.T. level or something. Yeah. And, and you know, E.T. is motherfucking E.T. I watched <laughs> that movie in theaters and I still cried. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does, it lacks that emotional punch that you almost feel doesn't come completely earned at the end of this one. Cause at the end of this film, Thackeray is reunited with Emily and Thackeray has had 300 years of sitting on his guilt on sitting with the guilt that he wasn't able to protect his sister. And not because he was a bad brother. He just wasn't strong enough compared to the <laughs> witches. So, but he feels really, really bad. And at the very end, they're finally reunited after 300 years. And, you know, that's supposed to hit really, really hard. We did it, Binks. We stopped them. I've wanted to do that for 300 years. <laughs> Since they took Emily. You really miss her, don't you? Man, you can't keep blaming yourself for that. That happened so long ago. Take good care of Danny, Max. You'll never know how precious she is until you lose her. Hey, Binks! Where do you think you're going? You're Denison now, buddy. One of us. Come on, Binks! Go home! Home. Home. It's like, love your sister, because you'll miss them when they're gone or something like that and you know he's speaking from someone who lost his sister right in front of him you know so and that's that's kind of brutal that's kind of deep you know and the film doesn't really let you marinate on that and i'm not saying you're supposed to do it because i still enjoyed the film but it would have hit a lot harder now instead of focusing on that i feel like they decided to focus on the witches more kind of kind of what they think about the way they talk the way they're choreographed the way they the way they say things and act with each other and stuff it really feels like someone had a vision for these three witches and they brought it together very detailed and i i think it's Mm -hmm. still great because they are in my opinion they are the stars of the movie oh yeah um and it's just the little details too like how how um winifred will say like certain words and enunciate them in different ways i just feel like that was really well thought out and sarah with her like choreography and just how ditzy she is mm-hmm. it's just really it feels it feels like these three witches are really sisters you know yeah but i i do think that 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 like theme of loving your sister is kind of like okay well winnie kind of treats her sister as bad um uh, and the sisters never really react to how badly they're treated like they yeah. never are stand up for themselves or because she's not helping her sisters because they're 
clueless on writing with the the vacuum i guess uh that's why she's not able to take the the souls out of the girl right because she's Mm. too focused on doing on saving herself than she is about all of them coming together but Mm -hmm. i i feel like i would have liked the the sisters to like acknowledge hey winnie you're a bad sister you know maybe some conflict between them because then i think that whole like love your sister because blah 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 blah. i think it would have had more of a like a cohesive resolution if that makes sense it would have flowed with the theme better and yeah and that's how i feel about the movie i really enjoyed it i think it's and i i completely understand why people love this movie especially in our Mm -hmm. age and slightly older i get it like this movie hits hard for people our age now would i say it's like a classic i understand why this movie is considered a cult classic rather than a classic right and there are kind of things that i can see in it that like keep it from being a classic but i still enjoy it like i had fun yes i was crying at et but i was laughing with this movie probably more so than in et yeah so you know it's it's really at this point it's it feels like we're we might be nitpicky by calling some of these things out which is up to which you know i think it depends on the viewer but uh, these are just certain things that I kind of noticed that I was like, oh, okay, here's here's how it could have hit a little bit harder potentially. But I mean, overall, this is still an enjoyable film. I recommend it because I laughed a lot. Like, God, when Billy, like when Billy like cut out like his mouth open, yeah. you know, and he, and he just yells out, wench, <laughs> it's so funny. And like the dialogue is so funny. There's so many one-liners in this movie that are just like, Oh, that was really funny and clever. I like that. I like the bit with the the bus driver. How they're like, we want children. And then he's like, well, it's going to take me a couple tries, but I'm game. (laughs) (laughs) Bubble, bubble. I'm in trouble. Tell me, friend, what is this contraction? I call it a bus. A bus. A (laughs) bus. And its purpose? To convey gorgeous creatures such as yourselves to your most forbidden desires. <laughs> well, then, we desire children. <laughs> hey, that may take me a couple of tries, but I don't think that'd be a problem. Oh. I'll find out. Marvelous! Thank you. I need one of those instant ice packs. You girls are giving me a fever. Yow. Yeah, like stuff like that. Oh. I do want to mention something real quick. I know this is like a like an aside, but something that I really I uh, I enjoyed how the movie began because it made it feel like Batman, the 1981 Tim Burton one. Oh is that just God. me? Maybe I don't know. Because it, it just starts off the with way that, that like the, oh the the shot of the witch like flying over. Salem. Yeah, it's like the camera's like flying over the forest, and it yeah. reminded me of the camera flying in Batman. And the music's are the music's pretty similar. Mm. I was like, why is this reminding me? This is reminding me of another movie. I was like, oh, Batman. That was like a, a just a thing that I noticed, and it instantly put me in a good mood. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm I'm game. And then they start talking, and there's like, oh, we're just three lonely spinsters who like to eat children. Oh, and when the <laughs> When that, I think when one of the people, one of the townsfolk, like knocked on the door, I thought he said bitches. <laughs> and I was like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? And then no. I put on subtitles like witches. I was like, okay, no, I, I misheard. 
it was just funny. Like that joke about cats. Like uh, what was it? Like cats um, got your tongue. Cats yeah, got my tongue. Like that's some cheesy shit. But it's morbid considering that she just turned Thackeray into a cat, and it so sounded like it live, hurt. So that he could live with the guilt of not saving his sister forever. For reals, what the fuck? <laughs> and it sound that transformation sounded like it hurt. Like we're young. <laughs> Younger. But it's a star! Would have been thou art a mere sprig of a girl. <laughs> but I shall be a sprig forever once I suck the life out of all the children in Salem. Let's brew another batch. You hag! There are not enough children in the world to make thee young and beautiful. Uh oh. Sisters, did you hear? Yeah, what he called you. Whatever shall we do with him? Let's barbecue and fillet him. Hang him on a hook and let me play with him. No! His punishment shall not be to die, mm-hmm. but to live forever with his guilt. As white when he has white. Jump back. Twist the bones and bend the back. Here to decapitate American mystic. Trim him of his baby fat. Here to decapitate American mystic. Give him fur black as black, just like this. Like there was some American werewolf in London shit <laughs> happening there. We just didn't get to see it. Yeah. And but, he's still there. He's watching them get hanged. And then he's like, oh, where's my Thackeray? Like, the dad is like, he, the dad's like, where's Thackeray? And then he sees the cat. He's like, get back, beast. And, like, kind of kicks at Thackeray. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, it's, Damn, that's, the that's sad. Scene. But it's really funny how over the top it is, you yeah. know? And that's that's something that, like, I, I like the movie for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I sometimes it's like, well, did they mean for it to come off that way, or is that just me thinking something is funny? Un, like was that was unintentionally that way? It's tough to say because I mean we aren't watching this from the same lens as people from 1993 did. You know, it's tough to yeah. gauge whether it was funny or like people in the moment were like, oh my god, they just hanged witches. Like, but because of that, that's why I I like the movie because mm-hmm. I think when it wants to be over the top and silly, it it's funny. With, like the whole reunion with with Thackeray's sister at the end is kind of cheesy. Oh, absolutely. Know? But because it ends with them repeating the the virgin line with the black candle flame, yeah, <laughs> I laugh. Like like okay, all that was worth it for for that line to come back. The witches are dead. My soul's finally free. You freed me, Danny. Thank you. Hey, Max. Thanks for lighting the candle.
300 years for a virgin to light a candle. I think the movie was intentionally aware of how silly it was. Because some, of stuff like that. To some degree, it, it had to have been. To some degree. Because, yeah, you have the reunion of a brother and sister who have been separated by 300 years. You know, he's had to deal with that guilt. And they're finally <laughs> re- reunited. And they're essentially going to heaven. Because there's the gates of heaven. But it was the gate to the cemetery. But I think that's supposed to represent the gates of heaven. And he's like, yeah, I was waiting for a virgin for 300 years. It's like, okay, you had to have, you had to have known that was going to be silly and funny. I love that whole virgin thing. Like, I was dying. I didn't know it was going to be such a big joke that yeah. constantly came forward again and again and again and again. Yeah, it's the, the repetition that makes it funny. It has to be, it, it has to, there's some cheese to it that I'm sure the filmmakers are aware of. Because this is Kenny Ortega, and this is early on in his career. But, like, going forward and, like, seeing some of the other films that he's done, it's like, oh, he's kind of, he's aware. Or maybe he doesn't consider it cheesiness. I think it's maybe, like, childhood fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Or childhood antics. Because, um teasing each other saying these things like in high school musical it's the same thing you know and that movie's cheesy right so i think he's i think he's aware of what he's doing and even if if he's not he's really good he's really good at it unintentionally but i I do i do think that i like if if i'm on the fence and one side is unintentionally funny and the other side is intentional camp humor i feel like i'm more on the intentional camp humor yeah, yeah, same. Me, me personally, too. And I'll say this. If you think it's unintentional, that's okay. Because you could still enjoy that as well. Like, Yeah, exactly. Even if it's unintentional. Like, I mean, that's why The Room is as big of a success as it is. Right? Because it's unintentionally funny. There's it's still unintentionally merit to that. really, really funny. <laughs> uh, the bullies. I thought the bullies oh. were really funny. He's like, don't call me Ernie no more. I'm Ice. All right? And then he like waits for himself to be properly introduced and he, so that he can turn around and show him that he's got ice buzzed into his the back of his hair, the back of his head on his hair. I don't know what you'd call that. It's like it's like written into his uh, his haircut. <laughs> but there's something really goofy about them. So th- and they feel harmless. That's one thing that I like about this movie in particular is like the innocence and the harmlessness that comes with it it makes me nostalgic for movies that were very lighthearted and charming right because yeah you dislike the bullies but they're they're harmless you're not really worried about them and the movie kind of has that entire facade like i don't think you're ever really like scared that what the witches are going to do is going to actually come to fruition like i don't think so but it Even is though a- you saw them kill a, a child in the very beginning of the movie you're not scared of them. <laughs> well, that's that. That's yes. I yeah. You see them do something really, really fucking horrifying, and on paper, but you're not really scared of them. And that's <laughs> that's kind of I like that. It. I think that I, I. That's a type of filmmaking that I haven't seen in a long, long time. For me personally, at least, and it is nostalgic to go back to and just obviously see what Halloween was like when I used to trick-or-treat and kind of how you'd interact with your younger siblings, at least for me personally. 
um, and kind of just this these movies that were felt that felt like more like adventures rather than like dire battles between good and evil. I don't. I, I mean, I mean, like the what are the stakes of this movie? If the witches like win, they kill all the children in Salem. Yeah, those are the stakes of this movie. Yeah, but, but it but it doesn't feel like it. If that makes <laughs> yeah. sense, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. It's it, I don't think it's something that you see very often now. No. You know. Cuz now everything has to like or not everything, most things have to feel like you have to feel that intensity. You have to feel that those stakes. But there is right. something adventurous about this movie that feels more fun than dire. Yeah. Yeah, Bette Midler that's like the main sister, right? But then you also mm-hmm. have Sarah Jessica Parker, who's kind of like the ditzy but sexy one. Like, I don't really know how else to put it. She's hot. I'm sorry. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, like, does an amazing job. And mm-hmm. there is something, like, really seductive about her that, like, like guys just want her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how it is. And I, and I, But she's also really ditzy. And she's funny, too, is the thing. Like, she's not just a sexy character. Like, she is... Like, really funny. And her chemistry with the sisters. Like, they treat her really badly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also funny. Because you're like, God damn it, just keep up. Yeah, um, like, what, like there's, she's like, amuck, amuck, amuck. And then Winnie, like, hits her, like, chops her in the stomach. And then she's like, ugh. But she sells it for so long. It's like, damn, that, that really hurt. That's that's kind of funny how much that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, and from the very beginning too, they're like, oh, we're just spinsters. Not, not doing anything. He's like, we eat children. It's like, oh my gosh, shut the and, fuck up. And that's the thing that gets them that you could infer that that's the thing that gets them caught because yeah. she says that. And then it's a hard cut to them all with nooses around their necks. <laughs> and then you have Mary and Mary's kind of hard to describe She's the she's the one that's just super super loyal to Winnie. Yeah. Even though Winnie treats her terribly, she's just super loyal. She's always complimenting her. She wants to like be in her favor all the time. It's uh like a low self-esteem kind of character. Mm-hmm. You know? She I feel like she talks more than Sarah's character. It's 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 like an unhealthy relationship. No, it very much is, <laughs> but it's funny. It is funny, <laughs> and and I feel like I can't I can't speak on this, but I am curious as to see like how many like sisters, particularly three of them, have like this kind of chemistry, or if this movie influenced like young siblings who rewatched this movie a lot. I wonder if kids were like, "Oh, you're you're such a winner friend." It's like, no, I'm not. Well, I think you'd want to be Winifred because she's the one that has all the power. Yeah, but in the end, her her ego is her downfall. She she yeah. gets full of herself, and it's really what. Because I mean, even Mary said it. Like, we have all these kids, and we have enough potion. Like, they could have won, or they could have survived another day, but they yeah. did it because Winifred was like, "I want Danny," because she called she us called ugly. me ugly, or she called me ugly. That's right. It's not because she called us ugly. It's she called me ugly. So it, you're kind of like, well, <sighs> you brought this on yourself. Yeah, she's like, oh, but we have children. It points to the bullies who've been captured. And we have a lot of old children out there. All the children that are under the spell. For real? Like, you could they... have taken any one of them. Yeah. She's like, it... no, I want that girl for calling me ugly. She yeah. doesn't even know me. 
Yeah. One final thing I will say that I think kind of underwhelmed a little bit in the movie is Billy. I don't think Billy was used well enough. Because you think that he's a threat in the very beginning when he's introduced, but at the end it's revealed he's not, that he sides with the kids. But during that whole middle section of the film, he does nothing. Like, he's just walking around. You barely ever see him. Like, you don't know where he's at during the school, once the witches are burned up, like, at the part or at the party. He's at the party, but he doesn't do anything. He's just, he's such a useless zombie. (laughs) He is useless, which is funny. But I was like, I wish you had played up to, like, I wish they had played up with it or they had done something. And, and I found out later that he was played by Doug Jones. Holy shit. This guy's been in like a ton of stuff that I never realized. Yeah. He's very famous for playing creature characters. Like if you need like uh, someone to play a monster, chances are it's, it's going to be Doug Jones playing the character. He's, he's in um, Pan's Labyrinth as the the pale man he's the guy who has his eyeballs in the the palms of his hands he's in a couple i think a couple episodes of buffy the vampire slayer uh specifically the one that's like a silent film he's one of the smileys i think they call them he is also most recently in the shape of water Mm -hmm. best picture winner where he played the sea creature He's even the, I, th- I think even more recent, he's in Star Trek Discovery. He's the, the alien, the one that has the tendrils on his, on his head or in his neck. Oh. He, when, they, when he gets excited, they like perk up. It's like a fear response. So like in, the la- in, in, pre- in our Predator episode, we talked about Kevin Peter Hall, right? Being, the, the, being Predator, but him never really getting the recognition just because you can never see his face. I think the same thing happens with Doug Jones. These are incredibly talented uh, actors who are bringing these fictional monster creatures, villains to life, and they're doing a great job of emoting and we never really get to hear about them. You know, we don't really know too much about Kevin Peter Hall. And to some extent, Doug Jones as well. I, I guarantee you a lot of people in the mainstream don't know Doug Jones. But a lot of film people will. And they're like, oh, he works with Guillermo del Toro and uh, Hellboy and The Shape of Water. And he was in this and he was in that. And it's like really cool. But let's give this man his five minutes in the spotlight. Yeah, I I didn't know he was in the movie until I watched the behind the scenes stuff uh i i was like oh what that's doug jones but i I didn't know until after i was like man he's been acting acting for a long time he's so dedicated to playing these creatures that i i I do think i would have liked to see more of of billy the zombie i don't know how um but i don't know i I feel like i would have liked to see doug jones do more stuff and they did do they did put a lot of time with the stuff that they did. Like that whole knocking his head off bit, they had to get a different actor to play the headless version of Billy. Someone who's shorter than Doug Jones, which probably is not hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and that's all I, that's all I really wanted was just a bit more of Billy. Because I remember when we were talking about this movie in the first part, I was like, I remember Billy, like he was a zombie and his mouth was shut and he talks by the end and it turns out that he's nice. But I was like, what else does he do? And then watching the movie, I'm like, oh, he doesn't do much. I was like, well, that's a shame. He chases them around for a bit and then he kind of disappears and then he reappears at the end and helps them. I think he's very helpful at yes. the end, but 
you know, it's it's like, ah, I would have wished to see Doug Jones a little bit more, you know? Yeah, and in a movie where all the characters are, like, colorful, like, even the kids, you know, they're all colorful, they're all fun to watch. I was like, I could have used a little bit more Billy. <laughs> but I think that kind of lends to um, some of the deleted scenes that you researched. Right. Because apparently, I, I didn't do too much research into the deleted scenes, but apparently this movie has a ton of deleted scenes. A ton of deleted scenes. And unfortunately, some of them are like lost uh, because you do see them, snippets of them. If you like look up old commercials for this movie, it's either like the home video release or one of the old TV spots for the theatrical release. But you see a shot of the witches all in a grocery store. And it's like, well, that never happened in the movie. Uh, there's there's a few of them. And I, I do think some of the deleted stuff was some Billy stuff as well. Most of the deleted scenes were stuff with the witches. Why was it lost? Well, I, I say it's lost because that's what this fan site says <laughs> about it. But you can't find it on any of like the blu-rays or anything like the the blu-ray release has some deleted scenes but there's some stuff like the grocery store thing where it's just not anywhere the only thing that exists from it is that old tv commercial it's it's interesting because you feel like with because this movie was shot on film that it would be preserved a lot easier than like if it were shot digitally you know well maybe the the film was a bigger hit on release it would have been mm. preserved. But I feel like sometimes when a movie underperforms, they're like, oh, well, this is trash. We'll just save it for when we run it on TV or something to occupy ad space. And that but, is an interesting point, that this movie was a failure when it came out. We talked about it slightly, but this movie was peaked at number four on the box office. And it was gone from the top ten after two weeks. It got it did not get good reviews i mean uh rob roger ebert and gene siskel like both tear, tore this movie up critics didn't like the movie and it audiences didn't go see it so it yeah doesn't really and seem like they liked it much either and or there was just no good word of mouth was the thing right Eve, now the the cast uh i read an interview and for the rap uh they talked about the lack of a premiere uh, a lot of a lot of times when a movie comes out, there's like a big party hoopla thing about it to just to like get the press there to do all the, you know, the promotional stuff. Like you're seeing a lot of stuff about Don't Worry Darling right now, even mm-hmm. though apparently the movie's not getting very good reviews. You're still seeing the, the people who made it talk about it, or at least most of the people. <laughs> I was going to say, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. you know. Miss most of the people talk about it. is not saying much about it. <laughs> but even then, like, that story is still, like, you know. It's people circulating. Are, people are writing about the fact that she's not doing it. They, this Hocus Pocus didn't even get that. They just, they, there's some interviews with Katie Couric uh, on the Today Show in 93. She interviews Sarah Jessica Parker Kathy Najimy and Bette Midler. But after that, you don't really see a lot of like promotional stuff for it. And like the kids who were in it were like, whoa, why didn't we get a premiere? What's going on? I don't remember a premiere. What happened? It seemed like they kind of just released it in the summer and then just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate. Which is, which is a weird time to release a movie 
about Halloween in summer. But this this is a a Disney movie, right? Yeah. And in Hollow in Halloween, they already had a Halloween movie, and they didn't oh. want it to compete. Nightmare Before Christmas. And guess what? That movie also bombed financially at the box office. <laughs> really? Yeah, Nightmare. I didn't know that. Nightmare Before Christmas was not, or I don't know if it bombed, but it did not do well. Interesting. Nightmare Before Christmas was one of those movies that did not hit when it landed. It's funny that you have two movies about Halloween that are released in the same year, mm-hmm. both released by Disney, both flopped. And then here we are fucking almost 30 years later, and we are still talking about this, these movies. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Wow. One of them's getting a sequel. <laughs> yep. That's it's, crazy. Yeah, but I that I mean that story right there about Hocus Pocus tells you the important importance of marketing. You have to spend the millions of dollars to market a film. Now, I, I mean look, we've talked about it briefly before how marketing costs have just increased, but you have to play that game. Or just hope yeah. that there's so much positive word of mouth that the film will do its own talking, but you can't when you're a studio, you can't just rely on that. You have to do this stuff. And this stuff's expensive. The premiere, the the, day, the daytime uh, interviews, just the billboards, the early reviews. Like, you have to set all this up. And it takes so much fucking money, you know. I, I, think I so- watched some of the trailers for Hocus Pocus. And it's like, man, this it, it doesn't seem like the, the trailer really does the movie justice. Really? Yeah, I didn't think so. Like, I wouldn't have been excited to see that if I saw that. Look, movies fail in the box office for various reasons. Various reasons. Maybe even a a bigger reason why this one didn't do very well is because this came out just a few weeks after another monstrous, monstrous presence at the box office. I I feel like I know what you're going to say. Say it, Austin. Jurassic Park. Yep. I don't think... um, you when you when movies come out it's like you're not gonna see typically you're not gonna see three different things you know mm-hmm. it's like um i'm gonna pick this one and then maybe you don't go back to the theaters for like a month or something and the one that you pick is gonna be the one that everybody's talking about right it's like jurassic park they got dinosaurs they bring dinosaurs to life i've never seen anything like that before so you have that right mm-hmm. and you have reviews coming out that say this movie, or here's a review I pulled from uh, Entertainment Weekly from 1993. This one was one that was like off of the website. You had to go into like the archive site to like see what was originally said. What's really frightening is that the, the witches are the best part of Hocus Pocus. The story follows a teenage boy, his little sister, and his high school crush as the three try to vanquish the sorceresses with the aid of an enchanted black cat. The two older kids come off as pallid any teens, though, and Birch is such a pill that one screening audience bursts into applause when Winifred threatened to kill her off. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, if you're seeing that kind of stuff about this movie, uh, it's corny slapstick trash, like, you're probably not going to spend your money to go see this movie. Nah, man. Damn, that's harsh. God damn. <laughs> Fuck, they ain't got no chill. On top of, look, you come out a few weeks after Jurassic Park, one of the biggest films of all goddamn time. One of the best reviewed films of all time. 
Okay, you get no support from your your company from your production company Disney. Hocus Pocus had no time to breathe, no time to settle, no time to get the word of mouth, and the little word of mouth that there was was harsh. Saying yeah. that the audience cheered when Danny got threatened, I, a child, like an eight year old child. I I think of the three of them. She's the one I like the most. Yeah, no, no. Of the three children, she's the best one. She has one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> what do you call him, Max? Yabos? Max oh like your God. yabos. In fact, he <laughs> loves them. And the look on Max's face is hilarious. If you don't know what yabos is, go watch the movie. Because <laughs> they, they, they don't say it out loud what it is, but you definitely She says, I can never wear a dress like that. I don't have the, what do you call them? Yabos? Max really likes your yabos. And this man is so petrified. So embarrassed. All right. And that's why I say like the the way that Vanessa Shaw plays it is like, oh, she's totally into this guy because she's not. Now she's going to go change and go out with this guy to this haunted house. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she's definitely into him, dude. I guess. I don't know. But yeah, man, I. This movie had no chance. And but I, I will say, but ever since then, the movie has grown in a big hit. I mean, it is like, it's a wonderful life. Like the TV saved Hocus Pocus because they started airing this movie on Hollow or on October at Disney Channel or in Freeform. And kids just started watching it. That's how I watched it. I watched it on the Disney Channel, you know, mm-hmm. they are not on Disney Channel on ABC seven. Like that was how I learned about the movie and that's how kids did then it was released on vhs which a bunch of kids having seen that on abc or disney channel bought it because they loved it and then the dvd came out and then the blu-ray and then it's insane there's still for the 25th anniversary they had a huge event where like the stars came out they were talking about it they re-released the blu-rays for it heck not even on the 25th anniversary but on 2020 the film's like 27th anniversary 2020 during the whole pandemic they had like a virtual fundraiser because bet midler is like uh she works with an organization that like helps uh clean up the parks and like greenery in new york like in the five boroughs and like bro when i tell you the people who attend like who were part of this virtual thing it's insane so here's what it says on wikipedia the cast reunited for in Search of the Sanders Sisters, a Hocus Pocus Halloween takeover, which aired on October 30th, 2020. The one-hour broadcast was virtual due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the proceeds will go to the New York Restoration Project. Members of the cast who participated were Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy, Thora Birch, Omri Katz, Vanessa Shaw, and Doug Jones. So basically everyone in the original cast. Other notable participants of the benefit included Meryl Streep, Sandra Peterson, Glenn Close, Billy Crystal, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jennifer Hudson, Adam Lambert, George Lopez, Martin Short, Sarah Silverman, John Stamos, Keenan Thompson, Bella Hadid, and the queen herself, Mariah Carey. (laughs) Fucking Mariah Carey. (laughs) Holy shit, bro. Like, look, okay, it was a virtual one, so it's not the same as, like, an in-person, like, you know, one hour broadcast, but still that's like a huge thing. And you got the scream queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis in on it as well. Oh dude, come on. Come on, man. 
That is so cool. You've got yeah. the Oscar queen. You've got the Scream queen. You've got Glenn Close who played a, another Disney villain. And you've got the Christmas queen, Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh my God. It's insane. Yeah. So people love this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have fond memories of it. Yeah. And I, I do think it, like, uh, I, I watched some of the, like, uh, interviews 25 years later or something. And I think Thora Birch hits it on the head. Like, this movie captures, like, a specific moment in time. Uh, it originally was not that successful, but it, 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 it grew and morphed in the audience you know, built. I think it's endured because it touches something in people about Halloween. You know, it's not all about the candy. It's not all about, you know, making people up and soaping houses and throwing toilet paper. I think the legacy of Hocus Pocus, that it's, it's a, it is a film trapped in time. I mean, I, I still try to understand, as you, as you say, the legacy of this. Um, I still try to understand that because it's thrilling and, and wonderfully shocking to me. Like, I wasn't crazy about the, the flashback sequence until I saw the witches. And I was like, okay, I can I can like these characters. Um, but when we get to Salem and the the vibe of Halloween, like the fall season, I was like, man, it's starting to look like that outside. I'm in for a good time. It's, it's very nostalgic. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, and it's, it's a fun time. We you could, we could say what we want about maybe some of the setbacks or what we wanted more of or whatever. But look, the movie resonated with a lot of people. It clearly did with me because I still remembered some parts of it. And watching it now, I still laugh and I get nostalgic about it. And I'm like, man, what a time to be alive in that era, you know? Yeah, it's it's not just nostalgic because I've seen this movie as a child and now I'm watching it again as an adult. No, I've never seen this movie before. <laughs> Yeah, like it makes me nostalgic for a specific moment in time. I love what I love that. I love what you just said, because it's because that's what happens with Star Wars. When I watch Star Wars, I get nostalgic because I I watched Star Wars as a kid. So it takes me to when I watch this movie with my dad and all the Star Wars shit that I was into. But this movie is way more different. This movie captures a vibe that was really only around back then you know or not only around but it was just something specific about it you know it's just the way kids acted and talked yeah and like when he ran into his bullies it's like i want to walk around it was just something like that like i'm like that brings me memories so i'm like oh shit <laughs> uh no melly let's go this way <laughs> and it's just the way you act with your siblings it's just like it is a moment in time and it captures it and it's and it's fun yeah, the, the um, vernacular too. Like when when the the witches are like, Oh, these these are just disguises. Look. And then she like unmasks this like random kid and he's like, Cool it <laughs> Oh my god. And, like punches Sarah in the in the stomach or punches one of them in the stomach. And he goes, No Sarah Weirdos. Sarah. Like calling people weirdos, like that is that is a trip. It's not from uh somebody creating a movie now, it's trying to capture that moment. No. no, this this was this was that moment. This literally was 1993, you know? Yeah, and and I think that's my I mean, it's look, this movie has grown in popularity since 1993 and it it's still popular. I mean, these it they, they had the 2018 anniversary celebration, they had the 2020 fundraiser and people showed up to it and we're getting the sequel coming out this the 30th of this month so you know i I think we're still in this hocus pocus 
celebration era but i wonder i can't help but wonder how long that's gonna last because it is a very specific thing will kids keep watching hocus pocus in 30 years i think as long as you have parents that were like that think of this movie fondly they're gonna show this movie to their kids like that's that's how movies like star wars and indiana jones get it passed down you know like it made an impact but Mm -hmm. movies need to resonate with the viewer because how many movies have well i don't know about your parents uh, but, like, I mean, my parents showed me a ton of movies growing up. Same. Okay. Well, I was just wondering because of, of Jehovah's Witness, what you could Yeah, there's just watch. some movies that I just didn't watch. But Fair enough. But, like, I mean, your parents, our parents showed us a ton of movies. A mm-hmm. ton of movies. Some of them hit and some of them didn't. Like, there's probably movies that my parents have shown me that I just don't give a fuck about. The ones that stick with us, our parents introduced us to them. But the movie spoke to us about something. I'm not saying you can't bond with your parents about a movie and then that becomes the experience. That, that could happen. But sometimes a movie just speaks to you. And I think like with Star Wars, I saw myself in Luke Skywalker's position. And I think I was longing to be in an adventure and be the hero and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's universal. Exa- exactly. That's why I think something like Star Wars is always going to hit. Even the original one. I think in 30 years, we're still going to watch A New Hope. With this one... I'm not sure. I I don't. I'd like to think so. I hope so. I'm cheering for this movie because it it had such a shitty start that I'm like, no. I think this movie does deserve praise, and I think it's worth it. But I maybe 30 years from now, I could see some kid just being like, well, that's some old shit, you know? Like that's not. I don't know. I don't recognize that. I don't see that. It's just not me. Why should yeah, I care? I, so I that, think that there's there's always gonna be those kids, and there's always gonna be be the kids that are like that that see something see something in it you know like the kids that saw star wars that are like oh my god this is cool you know yeah. kids like us but there's always going to be kids who are like this is fake you know yeah <laughs> this is dumb well we'll see and we'll see the appeal that the the second hocus pocus have because with it coming out on disney plus it's like there's there's interest in hocus pocus I, i'm in the sequel too just be like oh what is this so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm curious to watch it. Curious yeah, to see I'm, what it's like. How I'm they justify to... bringing, how they plan on bringing the sisters back. I'm I'm curious as well. But the, from the uh, trailers, I'm not as excited for it. Like there is like one thing that kind of made me laugh, uh, where the, you know how um, Mary she had like the vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in in the sequel, it looks like she is riding on some Roombas. And she's riding them as like skate skates. Oh, that's funny. I like it's that. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's trying to kind of stay with the same story. Like these mm. kids discover the book and now they have to save the town of Salem. Mm. And I think Billy's back too. Um, yes, but, Doug Jones is back. But the other kids aren't going to be there. So it's not they're not trying to continue the story necessarily there's it seems like they're just kind of kind of trying to tell the same story but in a different time period um which i feel like that's kind of a missed opportunity because i think we like the witches let's let's go in with the witches you know let's make them the actual main characters and maybe we can uh, be allowed to like them more maybe they're yeah. they're there's some kind of like redemption thing maybe, well what maybe... if they had to be good or something you know? yeah i f- i feel like that would be um i don't know i feel like that 
to me, that's the way to make the sequel. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see. We still got a few days before it comes out. So we're going to we're going to watch it. And, you know, I'm curious. I'm curious to to see how it turns out almost 30 years after the original. So it should be should be exciting. Uh, okay, so there's some there's two things, two more things I wanted to bring up. One was the relationship that the cast has with this movie and the other being the deleted scenes. Um, originally, the writer, the person who came up with the story, David Kirshner, he came up with the story to tell his daughter um, about Halloween. Like there's like a neighborhood cat, a black cat that hang around. And he made up a story about how, oh, do you know that that cat was a... Uh, what used to be a boy, but a witch turned him into a cat. And she was like, what? And that's kind of like the story that he has about the origin of Hocus Pocus. He writes the script and he there's a story about him pitching American Tale because he's the writer of American Tale to Jeffrey ah. Katzenberg at Disney. And Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, who cares about a Jewish mouse and turned him away? That's, Whoa. That's the story, all right? This is David Kirshner. According to David Kirshner, he said, who the F cares about a Jewish mouse? So Ooh. David Kirshner shops the story around. Steven Spielberg is like, this is great. An American Tale comes out um, under the Steven Spielberg production company. It starts with an A, Amblin or Amblin, something. yeah. Um, and it's a big hit. So then years later, he's like, hey, I got this idea for a Halloween movie. And it was called like Disney's Halloween House or something. Um, and he was like, all right, since you made American Tale and that was a big hit and I missed out on that, maybe I should give you a chance with Halloween. There's no there hasn't been a like family friendly Halloween movie. So let's let's go with it. Now, originally, the movie was going to be a lot darker. Uh, the kids were younger, like 12 years old. And I feel like the witches were more evil, but I can't find anything about the original story. So I don't know how much darker it was. I just know that it was darker. The movie is kind of in production or development hell for a bit, maybe five years or something, which is nuts. But eventually Bette Midler signs on and that's what, you know, makes the movie a thing. Uh, and everyone hear, hears that Bette Midler's on board. So they're like, yes, we want to be in this movie. Uh, and in the original script, there's a lot of stuff with the witches that is not in the final movie. For example, how the witches enchant the children. Do you notice how they're able to just kind of summon, uh, like conjure or entrance all the children at once, but not mm -hmm. the main characters? Yeah. Well... Apparently, that was part of this other plot point where the witches have to create these candy crows. And they feed the candy crows to the kids, and then Sarah's song works on them. Then she can kind of like lead them off. Um, so there's this whole section of the movie where they go into a grocery store and come up with, like, buy the ingredients for the candy crows and brew it and then dispense it amongst the children. None of that is in the movie. Uh, there's a scene with Thackeray Binks uh, where you remember when he's trying to tell his life story about how he was turned into a cat and then he dedicated his life to making sure nobody else uncovered the book or lit the black flame candle. 
Mm-hmm. Well, originally that was all like this really visual flashback. He's not just a cat talking in front of a grave. Oh, okay. Uh, they used... had to cut it, but they had to cut it out. Right. There's just like I feel like the movie had a lot more stuff going on visually. Like in the car chase, uh, originally she was going to like throw fireballs at the car that they were driving. Uh, there's more stuff with the witches when they're going to be hanged. There's, I think, like it's a funny line where uh, they're they're like accusing them of their crimes or shaming them for killing children, and then Mary's like, um, "I think I left the cauldron on," and, and then like the mom of the the child that she just killed is like, "You're a terrible person," and then Mary's like, "Oh, never mind." Uh, and there's actually a callback to this in the final film where she says see i told you i left the cauldron on because that scene was cut out okay that made a lot of sense i figured that was just something that she said off camera yeah um there's this whole bit where they're in the school and they knock winnie into the pool and then the pool gets electrocuted oh really oh yeah she shoots electricity uh i think the kids try to electrocute her oh Oh, that's wild. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's a, a longer scene with the bus driver, which you can actually find on the, the Blu-ray, where the bus driver is like, I still need a token or something of equal value. And then Winnie shoves Sarah at the bus driver. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's asking for a token to, to for the bus, bus fare or something uh-huh. of equal value. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Sarah says, would you fancy my attention? Or something like that. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think like stuff like that would have been really fun to have in the final film. Yeah, there's just a lot. The, the movie was a lot grander, I think. But like there's, there's already so much stuff in it already. Like all of the wire, the, the witches flying is all practical. And it's all of the, the, the actual um, principal cast on the wires, on the brooms. You know, Bette Midler's yeah. in a harness flying around. Like, what do they call her? The the Divine One, I think, was her like nickname. That's what all the reviews were, were calling her. They're like, even the Divine One can't save this film, or something like that. Mm. But apparently Sarah Jessica Parker really liked the harness. She would sit there suspended while the crew was like changing the lens or, or taking a break or going out to lunch. She'd just be like, floating there reading a newspaper or something oh that's awesome (laughs) yeah but but bet midler hated the harness she (laughs) hated it and the the girl thora birch uh, didn't like it either but she thought it was really cool because she was next to bet midler you know the divine one Mm. there's a story that she has about uh, as they were suspended in the air uh, it was like a really long day. It's a tense shoot. People are stressed. And Bette Midler just starts singing. And everyone's like, damn, we're working with Bette Midler. And she's singing us a song. Oh, that's awesome. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah, when you hear stories about that, it's just like, oh, making a movie doesn't have to be a horrible right. experience. Like, they, when interviewed with Katie Couric in 93, Bette Midler says that this is one of the most fun experiences she's ever had working on a movie. Uh, they all they all praise Kenny Ortega, even the the writer who is a huge Halloween fan, and he's he's written the or produced or written the the Chucky movies, the Child's Play. Mm. So he's well versed in the Halloween 
film filmography. Like if you look at his his uh, credits, it's just I mean, it's a lot of Halloween stuff. They all praise Kenny Ortega and the behind the scenes stuff. You can see him like goofing around with the kids. He's like making them do would you rather's with like Cindy Crawford and Madonna and stuff. It's it's really cute. So they all loved working on it, but it wasn't a huge hit. And uh, the the writer David Kirshner he took that pretty pretty personally. Uh, he said that he would be in tears with the reviews and like the dismal box office uh, reports. And you didn't really hear a lot from the the cast either. Mm-hmm. But as the movie became like a big hit, you know they would talk about it more. Like for 20th anniversary, they would say like, oh, it's a great movie. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had. It's my favorite movie. But he he felt that Bette Midler did not like the film because of the negative reception to it critically. Mm. But she doesn't say that she doesn't like the movie because it didn't do well critically. That's just something that he feels. Mm-hmm. Because it, this movie was pretty personal to him because it was, it came from a story he told his daughter. Sarah Jessica Parker says she's only seen the movie once. Really? Yeah, and she doesn't remember the story. She just <sighs> remembers experiences making the film and that she really liked floating as a witch. That was her favorite thing. Well, I mean, I, you know, that I'm sure when the movie's released, it has everyone has conflicting feelings about it not being the success that they all figured it was. So, you know, it, it's tough to mm-hmm. deal. Everyone copes with it in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, this movie this movie has a lot of interesting history, especially considering the fact that it is like a cult classic that did not take off at first. That people I imagine people guessed was not gonna leave an impression and yet it somehow has. So kudos to this movie. Yeah. From being a, a box office bomb to being the what, number one I think in two thousand seventeen it was like the number one rated um program on freeform at the 18 to 34 demographic which is like the the number one demographic like you want to get those 18 to 34s yeah Mm -hmm. so you want to do quotes let's go on to quotes this is the part of the episode where we talk about our quotes we instead of doing a five out of five rating we we opted for let's come up with a quote in the movie that represents how we feel about it Either it's our favorite quote, it sums up the movie, or it sums up our feelings on the discussion of the movie. Usually George goes first, and George breaks the rules. Um, so the first one by Winifred. So Winifred says, why, why was I cursed with such idiot sisters? And Sarah says, just lucky, I guess. <laughs> I listened to that, and I was like, that's how I feel about my sister. Wow. And then uh, there's one by Thackeray Binks that he says to the Sanderson sisters at the very beginning it's like you hags you're not enough there are not enough children in the world to make thee young and beautiful and I was like holy shit this dude just roasted you that was like and that comes in early on in the film and I was like oh this movie's gonna be funny I can already <laughs> tell okay all right this, yeah and she turns him into a cat forever for that <laughs> hey you know it kind of worth it i don't know maybe i don't know <laughs> um but my my favorite quote is i like it when movies will throw the title of the movie mm. in in the movie mm-hmm. you know in, in like a, as a, like a line of dialogue there's this really funny twitter account 
that makes up quotes of of this happening right like um there's one where it's the matrix right and thomas or agent smith has neo in a chokehold he's like mr anderson you're about to die and he and the neo says my name is the matrix you know it's like really goofy shit that i i like right but in this movie they actually go for that really goofy like obvious movie title in the di- line of dialogue uh, it's when <laughs> yeah <laughs> it it's so like over the top and like oh we got to put the movie title in the movie and it's just like the most obvious place it it's i i don't know how to explain how why i think it's funny other than what i just said it's just so obvious and like a professional would never do this because it's so hacky but that's why it's great right before max lights the black flame candle he says what are you talking about it's just a bunch of hocus pocus mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i love it and then winifred says it yeah she she calls calls back to it yeah oh man i um, love it when movies do that yeah it's really funny all right so that is my quote it it's like every, that the over the top cheesiness is what I think makes the movie really fun and the kind of sincere tribute mm-hmm. to to Halloween too. I I do Absolutely. like those two things and the '90s, but that's something that comes from making a movie back then. It wasn't like done purposefully to like capture the '90s. You know, it's just something that happens when you watch older movies. Um, there are two types of Halloween films. You have your act, your actual horror films that are scary and meant to scare you. And then you have your fun stuff. You have your, like, you know, Adam's Family, Hocus Pocus, you know. And that's a fun group of movies there. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's so much fun. Just watch it. And it's on Disney+. Plus. We all have Disney+, Plus because we all want to watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> but in the meantime, just watch Hocus Pocus. All right. Well... That is all we have for today. Uh, we'll be back uh, at some point in October. I'm not sure if next week or two weeks from now with a bunch of other spooky Halloween themed movies. Uh, you can follow us on both Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at retrograde underscore pod. And we also are on YouTube, uh, retrograde podcast, three words. And we have a Discord in case you want to join us and talk about movies, video games, or see some of the things that I thought were funny on Twitter. I post a lot of those there. But with that, we will see you next time. See ya.